0: welcome to the level up with katie b podcast if you've ever wished you could get a glimpse inside the minds and lives of women who are masters at creating abundant and fulfilling lives and you're ready to learn the secrets behind unlocking that in your own life you're in the right place each episode, I and a series of guests uncover the secrets behind creating the life you can't stop fantasizing about. I'm Katie B, human design coach, airline pilot, CEO, and crazy cat lady, and I am so happy to have you here. Welcome back, beautiful human, to the Level Up with Katie B podcast. So chuffed to be here with you. Today, I am having a chat with Taryn from 17 Tattoo Studio here in Perth. I have recently had the pleasure of being on the receiving end of Taryn's incredible skills. She is an absolutely amazing cosmetic tattoo artist, but more than that, she is a powerhouse of a businesswoman who has successfully built a business and career that she loves. In this episode, we cover a lot of ground. Taryn shares the story of how she came to be a cosmetic tattoo artist and it wasn't something she dreamed of achieving or even saw coming. She also shares how she has navigated the ups and the downs of growing her successful business from the ground up and some really awesome advice for anyone that is thinking about starting a business or, to be honest, just simply interested in stepping into their next level in life and business. Settle in for an absolutely inspiring conversation with Taryn, and I'll catch you on the other side. So, Taryn, how did you become a cosmetic tattoo artist? Because it wasn't really like your first... It wasn't the first thing that you thought you were going to do, was it? It's not like you were when you were younger. You were like, "Yeah, I'm going to be a cosmetic tattoo artist." Like,
1: <laughs> no, it wasn't. My first, second, third, fourth, fifth. It wasn't even on my radar. Like, to at all was not on my radar. I am um, uh, when I was younger. I worked with skin, so I worked at a medispa spa, and I loved that. Um, but. Anyone that kind of enters the beauty industry at a young age will soon quickly get out of it because you realise there's no money in it and you're worked kind of to the bone. So I still remember on Thursdays I'd work like nine till nine, oh my and even gosh. though I loved I loved the job, I know and that you know. I, I, play the world's smallest violin, most guys are away doing 14-hour days and he has me like, I didn't want to work nine to nine. But, um, you know, when you're on your feet all day and you're serving people and you have to be on all the time because it's much like retail or hospitality, um, it just kind of grinds on you. You get you have all the energy in the world when you're, you know, 19, 20, 21, 22, and then I feel like you kind of grow up a little bit mid-20s. You start to really find out who you are and then you go, oh, I don't actually have the energy for this long term for, you know, like, a small wage. Um and so I, I got out of it and then I ended up in real estate, believe it or not, for six years and I absolutely loved it. Like that was my that was my be all end all and I was very lucky to have like a great boss who took me through so many personal development courses and um just really really grew my mind as to what is what people are capable of and not just it's not it's got nothing to do with where you come from. And I think Like for me, I grew up in Balga, which was a really, really low socioeconomic area. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it because obviously you're not originally from here. But um, it's a pretty, it's got a pretty bad stigma to it. Um, The high school didn't even offer TE or ATAR, they call it now. So to be able to do a TE test, you actually had to move schools. They didn't offer it at all. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I think back now, and I'm like, God, that can't be normal. But you mm-hmm. only know what you know. So my parents moved here from New Zealand with nothing, and um, they were living in Double View, and then um, bought in Balga, not really knowing the the area, just thinking, oh, this is a house. And my dad turned a shitty little like he was a three by one into like this amazing five by two with this insane backyard like he put a pool in we had like water features it was just like it was kind of like you you drive into this really kind of run down suburb and then you go into our house and it's like whoa Mm. so um but in saying that the area was still the area and it was Mm -hmm. pretty rough Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um so we went to the rough schools as well but essentially um my older sister is an absolute brainiac she is nuts nuts so so mum gave her all of the um brain from the womb and I got hardly anything oh my goodness don't uh, say that you're so smart no no really not I'm 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 just I'm like a dog with a bone <laughs> with things. That's all it is, just determination. But um, so she, we had, we moved schools anyway, so she could do TE. Um, and she was like a straight A student. She got high distinctions for everything with with her TE results, which is again ATAR now. Um, and she went straight into university, and I went straight to. I, I used to go to school to go to the parties. You know, I was like the party girl, so um, I was in hospitality. I was working in pubs. I, I went to TAFE, so yeah, essentially I'm I'm the TAFE girl, and she's the university girl, and um and I worked at a strip club, mm-hmm. <laughs> fully fully clothed. There was no stripping involved in my work in the strip clubs. So um and that that job taught me a lot, and that was just before I found real estate. So I think I got into real estate roughly around 22, um and then I was there till I was 26, 27. So up until the cosmetic tattoo um opportunity knocked on my door I was in real estate and I loved it I had my sales license I worked for an agent it was it was just the best it kind of fed everything that I needed to be still creative um an office environment and I had negotiated my days down to nine to four because I couldn't I hate nine to five I just couldn't I couldn't yeah couldn't do it so I negotiated down to nine to four with Monday to Friday which was great for me and then I eventually just got really bored and. I uh, went to Perth College of Beauty to learn makeup, how to become a makeup artist on night. I just did that at nights um, and absolutely loved it and became a mobile makeup artist. So mm-hmm. I'd work on weekends anyway. So I was like I was doing basically a full-time job nearly and then and then I found myself working, you know, Friday night, Saturday, Sundays doing mobile makeup artistry. Um, so I knew there was always something in me that didn't mind not working the solid Monday to Friday and yeah. there was always something in me that was like I want more I can't just sit with one thing mm. um, and I've always been that way there's always been like oh I'll do this job but then I'll do this on the side or you know like um, I ended up joining up with Arbonne um, which is you know is like a multi-level marketing company I know a lot of people have bad bad opinions on multi-level marketing but I think it's fantastic um, not to sound like someone that's in it because I'm, I'm not Active now, but I still absolutely love everything about the setup. I love, Mm. and I think it's it's, yeah. It's funny that the views that people have on it, but if you actually try the products, you probably realise that you know products in stores. You're just paying. You're paying for the rent. You're paying for the people Mm. who work. Paying for the products You know, wrapping. You're paying for all that bullshit. so anyway, there's always been something. I've always had something else. Yeah. Like I've never been able to just sit with anything. And then out of the blue, a girl that I worked with when I was young, um, so she was a cosmetic tattoo artist, and she basically wanted to hire me. And and that was an out of the blue message. Um, and just before that, I had decided like, okay, I'm I'm at a plateau with real estate because I don't want to I don't want to sell myself like I don't want to be an actual agent even though I had my sales license and I could have I don't want to be an actual agent um but I'm an EA I'm basically hitting my ceiling so I can't go any higher than what I am Mm. you kind of have that realization in your mid-20s going okay so do I sit here until I have kids or do I go out and look for something else and start basically all over again and that's hard to do when you've spent six years kind of building up everything you've done systems reputation comfortability
0: yeah Um, that's a huge decision and probably like the easy decision is just to stay in that place of comfort hey
1: definitely definitely
0: when you got the message about um becoming a cosmetic tattoo artist were you immediately like yeah this is definitely like did you immediately get excited or did it take some convincing
1: no I immediately got excited did you oh that's so good yeah and at the time I don't yeah it was it was a brow artist and then um and then like cosmetic tattoo will come into it as well um but essentially I was just like fuck yeah like why not but I've always been a bit of a bit of a like caution to the wind yeah, I'm like, what the worst? What's the worst that can happen? Like, I I do feel like there is so much um, beauty in coming from, and I don't want to say nothing because we weren't poor. We certainly weren't poor. We had we had the best of everything, but we we just grew up in a real in a real low socioeconomic area when everyone at school had nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. like they didn't really hold down jobs. It just you know, even and when you're surrounded by that in school, you think that's very normal having nothing or or not being, I suppose, affluent. Mm. Um, so w- when that's kind of like your core, I suppose some people will breed that into the rest of their lives and just go, oh, "Okay, cool. Well, I don't have nothing, so I never have to have anything to feel different you know what i mean yeah. whereas um, i was like well fuck it who cares what, what have i got to lose yeah like i like my parents weren't super money orientated like i didn't grow up thinking that was the be all end all mm. um and like i said i was very lucky in the real estate realm to have a boss that took me on so many personal development courses that he probably trained me out of out of working for him <laughs> in yeah. like the best possible way like he mm-hmm. made me realize there's so much more to life. Um, he was the same. He grew up in a single-income family in Nolamara. He, he's a thalidomide baby. So um, I don't know if you've heard of thalidomide. For anyone yeah. That doesn't, Yeah, for anyone that doesn't know what that was, it was a, um, a pharmaceutical uh, pill that they gave pregnant women to help with their uh, morning sickness or their sickness throughout pregnancy, and it basically created an entire generation of people with black-body abnormalities. So. Uh. Um, yeah, so like like one woman was born with no arms and no legs. Um so he he was a flimmy baby and it didn't hold him back from doing anything. Mm. Um, if anything i feel like he did more than most people so he would bodyboard you know he had one arm and um he made so much light of it so even when we worked in real estate he would say like single-handedly selling you know, like, yeah it was, just, I love it was it. brilliant like he just he just he, like he not only accepted it he embraced it and he ended up becoming like this absolute fucking powerhouse in mm. real estate and he was constantly winning awards at the rewa um at the rewa awards and just doing really really well And um,
0: yeah, it just sounds kept- like his um, no barriers mindset, like growth mindset and combined with, it sounds like your parents were really beautiful support and encouragement, even if it was kind of like Um, through a little bit of fear. (laughs) Sometimes I don't think that's the worst thing, especially I think you and I probably were a little bit similar when we were teenagers, probably like to get up to a bit of mischief and um, some gentle loving kicks up the bum were like totally valid and probably in our best interests a lot of the time. But it sounds like a combination of his sort of mentorship and also just leading by example, and your upbringing gave you some really beautiful foundations for you to be able to be aware when opportunities were dropping in and be like, yeah, this like, why the heck not? Like, why can I not just go after this because it excites me? And that's so cool. Like that's such a gift to be able to, to do that a little bit fearlessly because, uh, you know, it's a lot of people don't Feel that confident to make decisions like that? And then, how did you know, like, once you started your training, how did you know that it was like your space? Were you a natural? Because your skills are out of control, good. Like, you are probably the best that I've seen. I mean, not that I go like search for cosmetic tattoo artists, but I've seen a lot of them on socials, and your work is by far the best that I've seen. And so, I wanted to, I like, I would love to know, do you feel like once you started, you were like, yep, this is is kind of what I'm a natural at? Or did you work really hard to gain those skills? What did that process look like?
1: Yeah, no, I was not a natural at all, at all. Mm. It's so
0: important for people to hear too because I think there's this kind of expectation when we, I don't know if you see this role that you, you know, this career, this business that you've grown to be part of your life purpose now. But if you do or if you don't, do you feel like it's it's important to know that sometimes what we're meant to do doesn't necessarily feel the easiest? Sometimes it actually does take a lot of hard work and commitment to bring it to life.
1: Absolutely, 100%. And I'm I'm very mindful in saying that to all my students that come in, that a lot of them get so frustrated. Like they're a month out of my course and they're like sending me these photos of this amazing work. Like some of them aren't amazing and that's totally fine because I certainly wasn't. And some of them are amazing. And the only, the only kind of like blanket thing that I get from them is, I don't know why it doesn't look like yours. You know, this doesn't look like this, this, why, why can't I do this? You know, and they're comparing their work to mine. And I said to them, I was like, if you could do what I could do after six years, I was like, I'd be pretty fucking pissed off. <laughs> not like I want them to be able to. But yeah. I'm like, you're not meant to be able to do that after six years. I'm like, that goes like, and you can liken that to anything. Like you saying yeah. Bolt, how, you think about how much he has to train and people are like, oh, he's just the fastest, oh, yeah. you know, because of this and that and this and that. And I'm like, no, he fucking trains every single day. Like I said, I was just a dog with a bone. Mm. So, um, and I loved. I just loved the idea of having that creative outlet and being able to work for myself. Um, Not that at the time I was working for someone else, which I was more than happy with. Like, I was like, this is an amazing opportunity. And like, to be completely honest, when I first started, my appointments cost more six years ago than what I charge now.
0: Wow. Mm, Yeah. Because you were having to, why? (laughs) Uh,
1: It was. It was a very affluent area that I worked out of, ah. and so you know the the women that were coming to have their brows done were you know your peppermint grove, your your Maylands, your um you know they're rock, rocking up in their Porsche mm. full drive, mm. and they just excess money like they just it was nothing you know like mm. eight bucks for a first appointment and
0: they would just drop it like like no one's business. Did you find that that was quite? high pressure did you feel any pressure working with those sorts of clients or did you think do you think that it was kind of a way to expedite your skills like you I'm sure you were holding a really high standard even in the early days but yeah was it pressure or was it like a good way to develop your skills
1: um it was nothing but pressure and obviously standard was the girl that I worked for and she was at you know my level now back then yeah and so these these women were booking in with me kind of expecting that level of, of workmanship which is not not possible when you're starting out so um not complete pressure and like it, truth be I would never have said this back then but I used to go home crying because I was so mm. disappointed in myself, like for a solid six months and then after the six months I was going home crying because my back and my neck were killing mm. me because I was being like, I was doing double there, what I do for myself. Like, I, I do not tattoo. I work full time, as in I work Tuesday to Saturday, but I try not to see more than three people a day because it's just like, I mean, if you're just starting out, you can do more because your body is not, not clapping back at you, but you cannot do, like, I just, I, I don't know how people are doing it. And being able to give someone a hundred percent every appointment,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, is kind of impossible if you're pumping out like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten tattoos a day. Like I, do, I don't know how they're doing it. Hats off to them if they can and they can do it well. That's awesome. I cannot mm-hmm. and I am to make sure that I can give every client 100% of my attention and the time and people know when you're rushed. People know mm-hmm. when you're when you're a number mm-hmm. or money to be made. You can feel that a mile away. You can feel that in any industry. Yeah. and you know more often than not that is your your beauty kind of you know your shopping sh- your, your shopping center beauty centers like get them in get them out and the care factor not saying that's everyone but um but like because it's just me my whole reputation rides on every single client so if i'm not mm. giving them 100% of me mm. i'll I'll cancel them or or i you know if they're not my type of person like <laughs> I shouldn't say this. I've, I've tried to talk a few people out of appointments, to be fair, because mm. I'm like, oh, you're not, you're not for me. What they want is not what I want to give. I'm very natural. So if they mm. want something more, um, I have actually talked some clients out of appointments with me.
0: Yeah, but I think that's that's so them. important, though. I mean, there is just energetically there's something really beautiful when you know that you can't deliver what they're wanting whether like it doesn't really matter what they're wanting whether it's good bad or otherwise it's just like knowing that that's not a great match for you to be delivering the service I think that's really powerful to be able to say to people like look I think what you want is great but I'm not the person to do it so yeah. um, I think that's really cool and also you're so right that idea of going to any sort of beauty therapy place to be honest There are a lot of places that do feel like a bit of a sausage factory. And sometimes that's cool because you're like, you've got a base level service that you want. You were like, get in, get out. And like, it's not a problem. When I came to see you, (laughs) I felt so relaxed. It was almost like a kind of like a spa treatment sort of energy because I could tell that you weren't rushing. I could tell that you weren't like on a time limit or worried about the next person coming in. And so I just was like, oh, this is like an afternoon where I feel like I've had a bit of pampering, which is so crazy because oh. I'm getting my face like tattooed.
1: <laughs> I know, yeah. And it's wild. So many women fall asleep and so many so many women, you know, get up after they're done. They're just like, oh, wow, that was really nice. And I just laugh and I'm like, how fucking powerful women to come and get your face tattooed, and I don't pre numb. Now it shouldn't be painful mm. if you're working in the right area of the skin. It shouldn't be painful. However, not everyone everyone's pain threshold is different. But for the majority of clients to get up and be like, "I oh, was, I'm going to go have a nap now," you know, mm. I'm like, "That's amazing." You know, yeah. how fucking powerful men would do it. Men no. would do it. <laughs> they're, they're, they're still be looking like bloody cave women if they. <laughs> <had people. laughs> To get half the shit done that we do. <gasps> I laser, they'd be like, nah, deal with a full bush. <laughs> oh I
0: know. I had laser recently, and I was like, Oh yeah, that's one of the most painful things. And I I have um I my preferred method of hair removal for my, my downstairs mix-up is epilating, um, which is not that nice. Oh, but wow. um, I even found the laser like even more painful than that. So I was like, oh my god, this is crazy. But how I oh, like I know this is just a societal thing, but I really just love being able to wear a bikini without worrying about my pubes hanging out the side. So, like, oh <laughs> but God. more power to anyone that wants yeah. to like just be natural. I think that's amazing as well. But yeah, you're right. Like I think women are super strong and that whole idea of them coming to you for a for a tattoo, which yes, I can uh, hands like on my heart say it did not hurt and just be so relaxed. Can you imagine what these women are juggling in their day-to-day life to be able to go and, and lie down on a tattoo? To table and have a nap. They're probably so busy and just meant juggling so many things because women are incredible and that's what we do, right?
1: Hundred <laughs> percent. I, I say that all the time. I'm like, what? What must you know? Life really be like for us if getting a face tattoo somehow turns into like a spa treatment? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. hell. But I also am very mindful that, like, so when when I was in school, you know, and when I was born, on the majority of our birth certificates mum was a homemaker Mm. you know um, mum ran the house and dad went to work and when you actually think about it this change has been in our lifetime this Mm. isn't like oh, hundreds of years ago you know women wouldn't work like this is my mum that wouldn't work you know Mm. like that that was that was the standard of being a stay-at-home mum wasn't oh but what else do you do Mm. what do you mean you're a stay-at-home mum and you tell people if you're you're a stay-at-home mum and they kind of go oh okay is it do you do anything else mm, and it's just yeah it's kind of like widely acceptable enough mm. to be a stay-at-home mom and that's not necessarily people's expectations it is financial strain that we have now you know mm. our parents mortgages were like what 60 80 40 grand mm. and here we are looking at like you know six seven eight nine hundred thousand for less than what they bought that's that's within the space of thirty years. Like that is nuts to me. So now both mum and dad have to work full time. Mum and mum has to run the house, and if you're lucky, you get a man that helps. That's not common for a man mm. to help out the way that they should in the way that the woman needs to bring in the bacon as well. Mm. Um, it's, it's nuts and you have to try and raise two great human beings three great human beings one great human being all the while competing with social media and the shit that they're seeing on the internet like this is an unprecedented time mm. and i don't know if women sit down and go fuck this has started with me mm. this i'm i'm the first rollout of Women have to work because we have to financially. Women have to try and raise children with social media. Social media wasn't even a thing when I was in high school.
0: Yeah, I know. I didn't no, even I mean, have a cell phone until I was like, I think I might have been seventeen when I got my first cell phone. Yeah, and it yeah. was like one of those Nokia ge- jelly <laughs> jelly phones. Yeah, the Snake Game, yeah. the Snake Game. Snake oh. game
1: lucky in high school like I think year 12 we could send like MMS photos you know like that weren't even they were just like gifts what you would call I think gifts now which is just that's insane I don't know if women sit down and go far out we're paving the way for for what is expected of I suppose like a new age woman
0: do you ever think about the fact that when your clients come to you that you are giving them that gift of like relaxation and treating themselves and like does that does that resonate with you, that you are being able to treat these really busy busy humans to something really nice and nourishing in their day?
1: Yeah, I hope so. Like yeah. I, I like to think so. I mean I'm, I'm kind of in love with the person before I meet them because I'm like, wow, you booked in with me. Out of Aww. everyone you've chosen. So that, that, that's not lost on me either. But mm. you know, they, they've chosen to come to me. They've chosen to spend money with me. How could I not already (laughs) fucking love that person? Do you know what I mean? And it's just me. It's not like I have employees. I don't, don't, I'm not stressing again. I think that mindset of, you know, I came from nothing. When I worked for the other person, when I first started, I was paid minimum wage and I was 29 years old. Mm. So I from a decent wage in real estate down to next to nothing. It was debilitating. Like I had to move in with my sister um, and she basically paid for everything for me. Um, at the time, because of my experience in real estate, I had, um, three investment properties that were all negative geared. So, um, and anyone that doesn't know what that means, negative geared is where the rent that you're receiving doesn't cover the mortgage. So I was bridging three different mortgages. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I literally was left with, I think $50 at the end of my week and I would just wait till my credit card declined. So, like, again, now everything to me is a bonus. Mm. I, don't, I don't look at the person as like, oh, quick, come in, you know, pay your fucking money and, and piss off kind of thing. Yeah. Like I don't would ever be able to think like that, not just because of who I am as a person but because I had nothing. So if I go back to nothing, I'm kind of like, no, nah, I can start again. Doesn't, yeah. doesn't really matter to me as much as um, the person does, especially knowing how financially burdened people are these days as well. It's a big investment that they're spending with me and I don't take that lightly.
0: Yeah, Um, I think that comes through though as well with any of our businesses. I'm the same, like when people choose to work with me, whether it be in my coaching business or because I actually do I am part of a MLM at the moment I started in January with Rodan and Fields and I bloody love it which is such a surprise to me (laughs) but um that's a whole nother story but my skincare clients I'm like sometimes I think they're like why are you like checking up on me? I'm like, well, because I want you to have a really good experience. I'm not here to slap shit on your face and like run away with your money. I'm here for you to get like incredible results. And it genuinely means so much to me. And I, I do think that that is part of the reason I am so successful in Both my businesses, like, don't get me wrong, I'm not not like Scrooge McDucking, like doing backstroke through my ponds of money, but I am successfully growing like stable, sustainable businesses. And I think there is something really beautiful about showing up for people with that genuine, like, I've got love for you. I don't even know you, but I've got love for you, and I want to help you, and I will do what I can to help you, and and like share my gifts in the way that I can. You know, like there's there's something really beautiful about that.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think, like you so say, even, even down to the fact that if you found something, like when I first started with Arbonne, I had acne, mm-hmm. um, and th- they had an acne range that literally cleared up my face. I was just like... You know, I couldn't stop telling people about it. I was like, "Oh, you've got a breakout! Fucking try this! Fucking try this! Fucking try this!" I was like, "Well, I may, I may as well like have my own fucking website with it if I'm going to be telling everyone about it anyway." Yeah, it wasn't. And and I think people can people can definitely sense when you're coming from a state of where you need money. And I think that unfortunately, it's probably the majority of people that get swept up in MLM that are doing it for the for the wrong reasons, and they mm-hmm. don't necessarily give a shit about the products but they like the idea of I- income without having to get a job of, of, like a, you know what you know what i mean like a proper job like going somewhere to earn per hour yeah and uh, i think those people do kind of tarnish the reputation of a multilevel of a multi-level marketing company for those that actually really find the products are just fucking amazing and can help someone
0: yeah and, uh, i think though as well uh, it's something that has been interesting for me is I think your reason, your why behind doing any business can really evolve. And what's, I so for example, I think a lot of people probably do join direct selling or even start their own business for that matter, because they're looking for a, a bit more freedom, a bit more control, a bit more autonomy over their time and how they create income. And then if the business is, like if the Direct selling business, or whatever it might be, is really providing amazing resources and support. I think there is some really beautiful opportunity for your why to shift into something different. But But you do have to be the type of person that's interested in that personal growth or professional development to be open to receiving that. So I don't disagree with you, but I think it's so interesting that journey that we take through business where it's like, I'm sure there's more, you know, more people out there that have started businesses out of like desperation or neediness. And then that's turned into like something booming and thriving because they've taken the hits, they've grown, they've shifted, they've done the, do you know what I mean? Like,
1: Definitely, yeah. Such
0: an incredible journey, though. Hey,
1: <laughs> absolutely. And I think, like, my point in that is, people can usually tell when you're trying to push something. For sure. And and like you say, your why. So if you're desperate for money and trying to push a product because you need an income, mm. I just think feel that people yeah. can tell. And it's a yeah. delivery, and sometimes a delivery is so disingenuous that people are just like, oh, and then you blanket that with the brand.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which is such a shame. Hey, because
1: yeah,
0: yeah. absolutely. Actually, I was listening. I was listening to a podcast last night about um, direct selling, and the one of the presenters she she supports direct sellers in growing their social media. And she has a, um, someone that, she's a big fan of direct selling. She doesn't do it herself, but she supports a lot of business owners. And one of them slides into her DMs like once a month, only when she wants to sell something. And she's like, you know, I know she's trying to build her business, but like, you know, where's the where's the authenticity and the relationship building and stuff like that? And I think that's really important as well for no matter what business you're in. Like if you don't care about people, then like just stooging around, trying to like turn them upside down and, and empty their pockets. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's
1: exactly. not going to be great. Just need to make a sale. Yeah, totally. yeah. definitely. And that, that resonates with people and they can usually tell. Mm. And when you go and when you try and force something, that's when it just goes nowhere
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i I definitely feel like there's if if things are if you feel like you're pushing shit too far uphill, then it's probably time <laughs> to pivot. It doesn't mean that it's time to give up, but it's time to look at your actions and decide like is this working for me? What's working and what do I need to shift in order to make it, uh, you know, more sustainable, more abundant, all the things? What's been your biggest challenge? Because your business is, I mean, obviously it's thriving. You have got the most beautiful, like, your following is huge. You've got people that will just want to shout about how great you are off the rooftops. But what has been the biggest challenge on, like, that road? And I'm sure you've got, I'm sure you've got bigger grander visions of where you want to take it but what's been the biggest challenge so far
1: um to be honest probably and it's a bit anticlimactic but just trying to do everything myself I just Mm. do everything everything on my own and it's it's really like trying to find that balance so in the beginning you like building 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 and that is like fucking gold I look back to like the first year of my business and I just look back on that so fondly even Mm. though like like I'd get an email for someone that's booked in and I'd be like yes mm, wicked no. like I've got a booking and that feeling like even though I still feel that feeling it's just not this it's not the same like it's mm. it's a great feeling but it's like that initial oh my god and that fire that you have in your belly to get up and want to do social media every day and then before it becomes a little bit more of a burden yeah but, um, yeah probably I would say outsourcing and trying to allow people in to help me mm. and like I've been asked by no word of a lie minimum of five people can I come work for you can I come Mm. work like take me on and I'm just like no fucking way there's no quality control if I have Mm. if I have employees and you can't do what I do and I can't do what you do and you'll be your Mm. own artist and that probably may not fit within my what I've created and so that's probably you know if I didn't have those fears my business could be a lot bigger by now.
0: Yeah that's, that's really interesting because I think I've actually been wondering about this myself quite a lot lately um because as as my businesses grow and also my aviation career is very full speed at the moment like it's taking up a lot of my time and you know I see people building these really incredible coaching businesses and they've got multiple people on their books, right? Like they've got the social media manager, the VA, the the podcast editor, the all the things, which I think is amazing. And then I think maybe I just want my business to be Big enough that I can actually handle it myself. Maybe that is, you know, like maybe my vision for my business is shifting into something that's a container that I get to nourish myself. And I don't, I'm sure over the years it will evolve, but right now I actually feel there's, it's such a beautiful creative outlet. I feel I have so much love for my coaching clients that I love the intimacy of our sessions and. I like it being. I like being able to be really hands-on and know, have my finger on the pulse. I probably do have some control issues, as you probably do. <laughs> but, yeah. but at the moment, I think like actually, I'm okay with my my vessel being the size it is, and just really nurturing that and, and making that my little love bubble of business and and I'm okay with that right now. But I I feel like I know what you mean when it's like. Uh, it could be bigger and better if I, or maybe not better, but it could be so much bigger if I invested in outsourcing. But is that what I really want? And I think that's a good question to ask ourselves, right? Is that really what you want?
1: <laughs> 100%. And I feel like that's the nature of the beast. Like if mm. you're already in your own business, you have that entrepreneurial blood in you and it's hard to know when to switch that off and be smart rather than continue to want mm. to and I have a girlfriend that has an extremely affluent skincare business and she basically runs it. She ran it with a, she ended up hiring people, a small amount of people, and that was amazing. She was like, that was fantastic. And then she went even bigger and then she got a lot of staff on and the business kind of boomed, but her, she said that was the worst time for me in business. Mm. And I thought how how poetic that when your business is doing its best, you're at your lowest, and mm. I have felt that as well. So. You know, there are times where I've earned the most amount of money in a week and I can't say that I was particularly the happiest mm. and it kind of becomes more is never enough and you have yeah. to almost find this balance of, like, well, how much money is enough? How mm. much do you earn to be happy? And it's really interesting because um, there is a guy that talks about this, the incremental, like... um money that you earn it doesn't equal the same amount of happiness and um oh who's the guy that even talks about it? He's a famous poker play always surrounded by women um can't remember his name <laughs> and, um, anyway he talks about how yeah at the, the peak of his life he was at his lowest and I honestly think back to when I was the most broken living with my sister and I had some of the best times then which yeah. is kind of wild because when you and I'm aware that not many people get to have that Um, the overview of, you know, earning $38,000 a year to then earning upwards of $200,000 a year within the space of three years. Like that's a fucking wild growth system to try and keep yourself at a space where you're like, okay, what's what's normal <laughs> Fuck me? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what is normal and and is that sustainable and are you happier there and what what works for you and what doesn't? And I kind of got to a point where my business was everything and, like, my partner even said to me, "Is like, I've got a relationship with you and your phone. Mm-hmm. And I became so disconnected from everyone in my life. Like, I didn't even reach out to my friends my family messaged me and I'd get annoyed because I'm like, I don't want to be on my fucking phone talking to you. And I really had to like kind of take a step back and be like, oh, my God, Taryn, you, who, your business is not going to be at your fucking funeral. Mm. Like, yeah, like I have such a great network of friends and thank God they're patient as fuck because I'm like, I don't know why you would still be friends with me after a year of me not even reaching out to you mm. ever. Like if you caught up, it was because they they reached out to me and I would just be non-existent. Mm. And, um, that's really sad because that's not worth any amount of money to me mm,
0: that's a journey that so many of us go through but it I think uh having a bit of empathy for yourself and forgiveness is really important because don't forget that probably a lot of that comes from the excitement of building a thriving business and then also that combined with the fact that it does take a bit of like it, it takes something uh, from the depth of your being to bring these creations to life. It's so, it does become a part of you somewhat. And, but what I've noticed is that there becomes a point where you are is successful and you are able to take a breath and reflect on where you've come from and you realize like, actually, I'm not my business. There is something, it is separate from me and now it's time for for me to like remove the claws a little bit just so that I can distinguish myself as a person as something different from my business. And I think that's definitely part of the spiral, part of the journey of being a, a business owner and those friends that stick around for us even after we've like- gone off the radar full speed into the business yeah. like that they're, they're the, like the legends that it's just and you know you would be there to support them I'm sure as well and that's what like really beautiful friendships are made of is that stickability and understanding that like shit man Taryn's going after something she really believes in and whether she's here for me this week or not it doesn't matter because she's doing her best right now I think that's uh, a beautiful way to build really strong relationships as well, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. And you, you've got to be surrounded by those people that do kind of support that and are happy for you as well. Like I mm. slapped in the face when I first started my business, and it really kind of, yeah, uh, you know, really kind of shows you who actually does want to see you do well genuinely, mm. and who doesn't want to fucking know about it if you mm. are doing. That. And that's really sad because. I am now really close with some people that I would never even dreamed of getting close to and yet they just scream my names from the mountaintops and some of those closest to me, you know, didn't even follow my business on Instagram, which you don't have to do that. I don't really mm. care, but wouldn't even ask me about my business when we mm. caught up. Like not a, not a word, not, not mm. work going, it was just non-existent to them. And mm. I think because maybe, I don't know, maybe they saw me doing well that some people can't disassociate your success to their lives mm. and i think that's really sad and not saying that it's a comparison whatsoever but like i could be on the bones of my ass and if my if one of my friends won lotto i'd be you it may as well have happened to me i couldn't mm. like that's fucking amazing like wicked and i think to to not get that reciprocated it's a very big eye-opener to For sure who, who the who the people are that you you want to keep around you that really cheer for you and and want to see you be successful in, in whatever aspect that is that doesn't have to be money. I think mm-hmm. we we attribute so much of like success to money. Fucking, mm. is okay, it's money is a vortex. It's why why so many men that work fly and fly out. You know, you hear about so many suicides, so much mental health problems, and I saw it when I worked at the strip club. These girls would earn between five hundred dollars to a thousand dollars a night, where do you go to from that? There's no and that's not sustainable. For some people working wave flat, flats not sustainable for their mental health, but mm. the money sucks you in. And then once you're used to that money, there's nowhere but depression to go. If you have to then go down to earning, you know, $25 an hour at an office job. Mm. Those girls can't do, how do you how do you mentally do that?
0: No, it comes down to, you know, being in touch with having a level of connection to life and being an active participant in life without having that constant need for the the money, you know, the more is more is more. I mean, it's interesting because I think I love money. I freaking bring it on, man. But I make a lot of decisions that are not the best financial decisions but they are the best happiness decisions for me. You know, like I I've spoken about it on the podcast before, but I turned down a job earlier in the year because I just knew that it wasn't going to be good for me even though financially it would have been the best decision, but I just was like, no, that's going to be that's not what I want my life to look like. And Amazing. I think it's just but having said that, I'm I'm, I've got a beautiful life, I'm very conscious about, you know, appreciating the small things and that to me is success. What does success look like for you? What are, If it's not necessarily financial goals, what does success look like for you? I think when,
1: oh, I suppose when I was in my 20s, it was all about finding happiness Saturday and Sunday. So you got to pack so much living into Saturday and Sunday because you're back at work Monday and you're like, oh, hate Monday, oh, Tuesday, oh, Wednesday, Thursday's okay, at least Wednesday's hump day, that's gone. And then Friday everyone's in a good mood and then Saturday, Sunday, oh, my God, how much can we pack in here? So for me success is being able to do much more of that through the week. Yeah, um,
0: oh, and, so good. And-
1: Not just not dreading going to work like my like small things, just not dreading going to work. Um, Like, again, growing up with like we had a lot of stuff, but being able to, you know, treat my family like I remember a few years back, I took my mum and my sisters and I took them all to Bali uh, Mm. for Christmas. That was like one of the best feelings in the world to see them open up the card and say, Fuck you all. We're all going to Bali, like pack your shit, kind of thing. And we're not, you know, our family just takes the piss out of each other constantly. You can't get a big head in my family. (laughs) Fucking (laughs) hell. Like, they absolutely keep me grounded. And, but in saying that, I like, I just do fucking brows. It's not that great. Like it I just is don't
0: great. Like, we don't it's we not don't
1: really. When you like sometimes I'll I'll read my reviews if I'm just feeling down and I'm like fuck me. It's just brows. It's nothing. Like it's you know my sister is a juvenile justice officer. She's out here rehabilitating juvenile offenders, helping them trying to get onto a path that's better than what they've been shown from their youth. Mm-hmm. And I'm like and I'm the one getting fucking praise.
0: Yeah, bullshit. I mean, like, well, but the thing is, Taryn, though, like we all have a contribution to the greater, you know, our communities. And I don't know that any is more valid than the other, like, you know, or any more worthy of praise. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're out there spreading your magic, and your sister's out there spreading her magic, you're both having huge positive impact. And, like, honestly, I can tell you when I saw my new brows, I was like, this gives me some pep in my step that I haven't felt for a while. <laughs> and do you know how freaking good it is to wake up in the morning and, like, not have crooked eyebrows and be able to go to the grocery <laughs> shop without putting, like, drawing my eyebrows on? It's like, that shit is life-changing. <laughs> oh, I love that.
1: That's amazing. But, yeah, but, I, I, just, I don't think it will ever resonate.
0: I know. I know what you mean, though, and I think that's like a healthy level of being in touch with the fact that, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot going on in the world. There's a lot of bad stuff going on in the world, and um, there's a lot of people doing a lot of really incredible things to, to make a difference to people that are suffering. And being aware of that will always make us feel like I've said it to Clay before. Like flying airplanes, people think it's the coolest thing ever. I'm like, man, I'm just a glorified bus driver. Like it's no, it's not Do you that, know the other that. People, cool. are
1: told, I'm like, I'm a fucking pilot. i had a pilot in at work. She's a pilot. <laughs> that is, to me, that is so, especially from someone like I told you. Like I wanted to study aviation and become a helicopter pilot, mm. and that never, never came to be. And like that, so that to me is. Absolutely insane.
0: We all just really appreciate and, and uh, uh, probably over appreciate things from others and under appreciate. Well, a lot of people under appreciate their own skills and talents. That's for sure. What would your best piece of advice be to anyone who's either thinking about becoming a cosmetic tattoo artist or that's thinking about pursuing their own business goals? Have you got one piece of advice? Um, I'll oh,
1: probably just do some, do some personal growth work. Like I used to, when I was younger, before I did personal growth work, I used to think like, that's so <laughs> like, growth, all this stuff, you know, you kind of, I suppose before you've done something in it, you're a bit like, it's a bit like probably like multi-level marketing. you look at it, you go mm, like, and I think also knowing that you don't have to like one of the best things I learned was you don't have to wait for a catastrophic event in your life to make huge changes. Mm. huge for me to learn and, and making, because usually we'll wait for something massively bad to happen. Mm. Um, like you think about how many girls go through breakups and they're like, I'm going to go get my revenge bod. I'm going to go fucking travel the world. I'm going to go visit this place. I'm going to do everything I wanted to do just despite this situation or someone passes away and you go to a funeral and you're like, fuck me, life is short. Like mm. it's a big slap in the face, things that happen to us and we wait for those really catastrophic events to make huge changes and you don't actually have to. You can wake up one day and go, I want a fucking different life and I'm going to start today. It doesn't have to be triggered by something. Um, That that was a massive one for me and I went and saw Aaron Sansoni in Sydney and he made us all write, um, what was it, M-A-I-A in permanent marker on our hands and what that stands for is Mass and Immediate Action. And he said, Whenever you're going to do something, he goes, just look at that and go mass and immediate action. Who cares? We're all dying. Mm-hmm. We're gonna die. If you fail, what do you what do you who cares if you're embarrassed, if it doesn't work? At least you fucking gave it a go.
0: Yeah.
1: People think. We're all dying. We're we're these tiny little pebbles on this huge floating rock that has been here for millions of years and we just think that our problems and our lives are so important when they're not
0: who cares yeah I know do you know we we were actually literally talking about this Clay and I on our morning walk yesterday I was like you know I've just had some really tough days in my training that I'm doing for work the last couple of days and I just said to him like it's it's so crazy because I know how on the grand scheme of things this really isn't that important it's really my ego getting bruised. It's like me going through growth. It's me challenging my resilience. And at the same time, like you say, I'm a speck on a moving rock. And I mean, my goal in this life is to like make sure that I leave some sort of positive impact. And whether I do it, you know, <laughs> however I do it, it doesn't really matter. And I think you're so right. Like personal personal growth, personal development is kind of, I feel like, what we came here to do. We came to explore every facet of ourselves. We came here to to enjoy being like a, a soul in a human body and experiment with that. And if you don't push the boundaries of, of your, the way that you know that you are, if you don't ever want to grow and evolve, you're missing out on something. You're really missing out on something so beautiful. And yeah. business is like the ultimate personal development journey.
1: It so is. It so is. And I think, yeah, the 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 more that I learn, the more I realise I know absolutely fuck all about mm, anything. Mm. And
0: it's
1: crazy to me that learning more about yourself just means unlearning a whole bunch of shit that you thought you knew when you were younger.
0: Totally. I it's know. Nothing. Oh yeah. my god, being a human is the craziest. <laughs>
1: It actually is. And I just, I, I, have to, I have to leave everyone with this thing too, because I heard this uh, a couple of months ago and it has resonated with me and it should have been my one piece of advice to people. Um, how we speak to ourselves is so massive. And I know that everything that we, all the choices we make and everything that, everything, the way we speak, the way we treat people, all comes from a subconscious level, not a conscious level. Mm-hmm. And that subconscious is determined by your. Um, what you went through as a child and and potentially traumatic events, and that's basically what triggers us. That's what what makes us do things and not do things. And um, I was told that you should sit down every now and then and basically picture yourself in your childhood room, and you're like, let's say seven years old, and you're in your childhood bedroom playing with toys, and you walk into the room, and you tell yourself, "Hey." come over here, sit on the bed, we're going to have a chat and sit there with your younger self, what would you need to hear at that point? Mm-hmm. And any time you look in the mirror and you say, oh, God, I look fat, oh, that's gross, that's disgusting, you need to do this, you need to do that, you're not good enough, all this shit, picture yourself saying that to the little girl or the little boy and you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't also like speak to your children like that. A lot of the girls that come and do my courses are mums and they're like, oh, fuck, I can't get it. I'm like, okay, but what would you say to your child if they were coming to you saying, I can't get it? What would you do? You'd have patience. You just don't have that for yourself. So you almost have to take yourself out of the picture and treat yourself like that little girl, that little boy that's actually making all of your decisions Yeah, and you have no idea.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's beautiful, beautiful advice. Inner a, in a child work is so popular these days and for good reason hey i i think Mm. uh i'm not sure if you've had this experience but i find it quite emotional but having said that i do it enough now that like i have this thing where i take my inner child on a date and my inner child always wants to go and climb trees it's just this thing she's like let's go (laughs) let's go down to the river and climb a tree i'm like all right let's do that like this is me meditating right um (laughs) Uh but but uh, so that's cool because then I've developed a more playful relationship with that part of me that has, you know, gone through shit like like everyone has. But, yeah, that's such beautiful advice just because we all just need to, like, give ourselves a lot more grace, I think. It's, I mean, yeah, yeah, beautiful advice, Taryn. Thank you so much.
1: <laughs> pleasure. Little things that have helped me along the way. If they can help someone else, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. So, hey, I'm sure many people listening are going to be like, "All right, I want to suss out this girl's work. Where can people find you on like socials and all that good stuff?" Uh,
1: one Seven Studios, which has recently changed thanks to the new shop. But yeah, One Seven Studios, um, and I'll do a plug. But I actually, have a I'm, I've co-authored a book that's coming out on Amazon over the next few months. Oh, so amazing! That will be being sold on Amazon and all the proceeds are going to charity. So that's mm. really cool. So, that's um, so cold.
0: cool. Yeah. So What's the I book like about?
1: It. Um, It's called Queen Bee's um, An Entrepreneurial Art Type and it's basically me and I think there's eight other authors that are just kind of giving a little bit of a chapter into our lives and how we kind of um, turned it around. I get a lot more, I get a lot deeper into like the nitty-gritty into when the year that my life changed and, and just on that actually I, I went to Europe um, with my ex-partner and basically after that threw everything, everything in the bin. <laughs> everything that had been in my life at that point mm-hmm. was gone and I came back and started fresh at, yeah, I think it was 20, 26, 27 That was a huge, huge thing for me. So I basically, I dive into
0: that in the book. Um, It sounds amazing. I so look forward to reading that. I'll pop because by the time this episode goes live, it'll probably be out. So I'll link it in the show notes for everyone. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. We're kids. All right. Thanks so much, Taryn. What an incredible yarn with Taryn. She is just such an incredible human to be around. I love being in her energy. And what I really loved, what, I guess the biggest thing that was highlighted to me through this chat is that for Taryn and for so many of us, myself included, the way that we actually step into our purpose, the way that we actually express our purpose in this lifetime quite often happens in really surprising ways. You know, like we have these skills and talents that quite often go kind of under the radar and, you know, there are cataclysmic or like really pivotal moments in our lives where things shift and that is the catalyst for opening So many new doors and we never really know when that's going to happen. And I think that's why I love human design so much, because really what human design does is help you trust that you're making the right decisions in the right time, even if you do not know how it's all going to unfold. And that is the key, right? Following the nudges, following your delight in life, following the opportunities that get presented to you in this lifetime and being open to being surprised and delighted about where they lead you. Like it's so powerful. And also really it takes the pressure off us having to try and solve any problems like that that age old question that we often find ourselves stuck in a loop, like what is my purpose? You are being guided towards your purpose each and every day. And whether that's through, you know, spending time working in a strip club, spending time working in a real estate agent, whether it's spending time I don't know cleaning houses or you know I was a um, rubbish girl for a while like I don't know why I did that I don't know what lessons I learned but everything is leading us on a path right and I think there is a huge level of trust that can be developed especially when you hear stories like this so really really loved hearing how Taryn's journey to becoming a really incredible cosmetic tattoo artist and having a thriving business has all panned out for her. I really hope you love this episode, trusting that you've got something brilliant that you can apply to your own life. And as always, if you'd like to leave me a five-star Apple podcast review, you know that that is the best way for other people to find the podcast. And that just makes me so, so happy. Until next week, you beautiful human, take care, keep milking the shit out of life, and I'll catch you in the next episode.